everybody. This is Jack. This is the Avon. And welcome to our NLEC podcast called Church on Air. Hey guys, so welcome everybody. Um, welcome to what we're going to be calling Church on Air. Um, my name is Jack and I'm with the lovely... Steven, and uh, we are part of a New Life Evangelical Church, and this is a podcast for you guys. So, for all of you guys tuning in for the first time, we want to talk about why we're doing this. Yeah, so first, everyone will be turning in for the first time. Yeah, exactly. Stuff first podcast. So, it is a true statement, Steven. Okay, sorry. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you are correct, Jack. So, why are we doing this? Um, Maybe you can start us off. Steve. Yeah, so this is kind of what why I notice. Um, it's it's so important. I don't think it's just a church thing, but it's actually a societal thing. It's so important that we have places and forums where we can talk about important things. Things like what does it mean to grow as a person? Things like who is God? Things like meaning? Things like what is the church, right? Like we can always, I find that it's, it's always easier to talk about something that's less meaningful than it is to talk about something that we are, people are actually quite passionate about. Like everyone I've met wants to talk about or wants to live a purposeful life, but it's just hard to get into it. So this podcast, we're going to try and talk about um, the, how scripture can reveal God to us and how scripture can teach the church on how we can be more um, perfect in the way that we live our lives. Okay? We just want a normal conversation. So hopefully we can just have a normal conversation about scripture. We can be friends yep. talking about God and the church through scripture. Yeah. Friends talking about God and the church through scripture. That's it. So what do we mean by friends? I feel like we need to define the relationship first before we start off yeah friends you don't want to be yeah okay um now i'm an expert on friends but here's what we mean by friends people with the same passions but with differing perspectives Uh, i think it's important to recognize that we have more in common um particularly when it comes to christianity than perhaps we like to give each other credit for Um, but it's okay to have differing perspectives yeah, and it's so, well, scripture is so accessible, and I think it's something that friends it, friends should be talking about. Yeah, so stop talking about, you know, like what's coming out at the next Magic the Gathering booster pack, <laughs> right? Talk about scripture. That's what real friendship is based on. And it, hopefully you guys can find it interesting as well along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please tune in. Please tune in, yeah. So how about God? We'll be talking about God, right? So... There's this idea that he's both transcendent and yet he's still accessible to us. Yeah. So what do you mean by accessible? Accessible. Accessible as in he's a God who who loves us. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's actually incredible to think that the greatest good in the Christian faith isn't doing the right thing. It's actually love because God is love. And it's, it's one of the, I reckon we don't talk about this enough, that God wants to be known because love wants to be in relationship with the beloved. Uh, so I would say it's one of the things that perhaps the church dialogue can be a little better in is how can we make God 
more and more accessible, right, as opposed to more and more exclusive, right? God, by nature, wants to know his children. That's it. Yeah. Yet he's God. He is God. He is transcendent. So there's this idea that there's no one like him. Yeah, like it's, I mean, it's, it's weird to say, but we are not the top of the food chain. We're just creatures. And even though God wants to be known and is knowable, um, we look at him not on an equal plane. We are looking up in a sense, right? We're looking, we're mm, studying a divine being as creatures, as beings that can never reach that level. So we're like, it's like stargazing, I suppose. Like we can name a star here, see a characteristic there. Um, but we could never quite understand what it means to be one. We want to be friends that talk about this transcendent, but really accessible God who made himself available to us through Christ. Mm, imminent as well. And we wanted to be talking about the church, don't we? So what we, what we, what we mean by the church is that we are just functional people loved by God. Yeah. Um, you, you're... You're a part of a church, Jack. I'm a part of a church. We are messed up people. I'd like to think that I'm part of a church. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're in. That's it. Yeah, but uh, it's just filled. I think it's hard to say we love the church and then only love the good parts about the church. Actually, the, the, part, the key part that makes up a church is the people. And the people are dysfunctional. And God loves the people. So how, what, can we learn about, um, what can we learn about being a better community of God? How can scripture reveal to us maybe uh, areas that uh, we're not so strong at, maybe reveal to us an area that we can actually pull our resources towards and be good at and serve the kingdom with, you know? So um, that's the kind of conversation we want to have. Yeah. And let's stop there and rewind a bit. So what do you mean by dysfunctional people? It's a word we throw around all the time, but, but let's yeah, like yeah. elaborate on that. Um, so dysfunctional is a funky word we use to say that everyone has deep-rooted problems, right? Like the Bible calls it sin. Um, it's not just we do wrong things, it's that there is a propensity or, okay, not propensity, there is a trend within people that we sometimes, even though we don't want to do the wrong thing, we do it anyway. Um, it's a bad function sometimes yeah. that we have. Um, and it's not the idea that we're not only doing the wrong things, we're even thinking the wrong things as well. Yeah. So we got, we really need God. That's it. Yeah, basically. So that's kind of the sense. We want to be friends. We want to talk about God. We want to understand how we can be a better church. And we're going to do it by going through scripture, you know. And if you're with um, our church, you'll know that we're going through the book of James. And Basically, we'll be like grounding the podcast through um, the books that we're going through. So uh, if the point of preaching in our church is to challenge the hearts of the people in the congregation, to kind of see how the gospel can challenge you to live a more God-centered, spirit-centered life, um, this podcast is going to be for, if you want to know a little bit more, because sometimes in a sermon, we can't unpack everything because we're trying to go for the heart, right? Um, hopefully, we'll go through the 
unpacking of scripture in this podcast. So we're going to go through the generalities, the main themes, who is James, who is he writing to, um, and then we'll jump into it verse by or chapter by chapter and see if there are any interesting things in the structure, in the wording, in the language that we can pick out and that we can learn, you know, we can learn from. Should be good. Let's uh, let's jump into this. Yeah. So before we go actually into scripture, we want to um, learn a bit about James, who he's writing to, because um, that affects what's actually being found, what we find in the text, right? Who the person is, who's writing, who he's writing to, the purpose of why he's writing it. So let's start with who this James guy is. Who is he? Why is he writing a letter to whoever he's writing to? Yeah. So James is the um, is a half brother of Jesus. He was alive during the, the time of Jesus. So um, probably all the way up, he, this letter you can date back to around 60, 60 AD, probably at the, at the latest. Um, he was a prominent figure in the early church. He was probably the head of the Jerusalem council. Um, so I would say the equivalent of perhaps the senior pastor of the early church of the time. So you see in the book of Acts, whenever they had a big, big decision, they would go to, um, they put it up to the council in Jerusalem. And then James, uh, James the elder would be the one who then deliberates on it, debates it, and then ultimately leads the council to a decision. Yeah, pretty big deal. Uh, we also see that he um, has a certain... Uh, personality to him, you know, really direct. Um, he's not, uh, he's pastoral, but he's not enabling, you know, he's like, he'll be like, oh, I understand that it's tough. Um, but he will say, but everyone has it tough, you know, so he'll kind of say things like that. Um, he's humble, um, but he's bold. So I like to think of him as he's that Asian uncle who's always offering advice, whether you want to or not. And you can learn a lot from him if uh, your posture is right and ready to receive wisdom. That's it, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like he's quite different to Paul's letters. Um, you see, they're quite different people. Paul um, or James, he wasn't here to teach new theological ideas like Paul, but he was here to like give us practical things, practical things to do, to engage with. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely a lot more, he's not more interested in challenging the basic thoughts and actions of the church. So who was he writing to? So he was writing to Israel, if I'm correct, um, all of Jesus' followers, mm -hmm. New Israel. Yeah. Yeah. So basically is the global church. Uh, so it would actually apply to us pretty directly. Mm. Uh, maybe some of his examples are from like 2000 years ago. Um, but I think I found as I read it, like, this is really applicable to, to us, to today. That's it. Um, and so it's sort of like, it's sort of like um, if you want to approach this text and to get the most out of it, um, it's important. So a lot of the times you will get people saying, you don't have to read it like with the idea of well, every text has to have something to do with me. Like, you don't have to go through, like, first hour be like, oh, yeah. I am David. That's right. it. Yeah. Because, you are not David. Yeah, you're not David. Yeah, and I wake up every day in the mirror saying, <laughs> I am not David. But in this book, you can actually do that because he's actually speaking quite directly um, to a church. And he's, the church is going through some tough times. At this point, they had just um, gone through uh, the, probably the first major persecution 
Um, in Jerusalem, they had just um, <clears throat> been dispersed throughout the land, right? Uh, so you'll see in chapter one, he's talking about the diaspora. What's the diaspora? So it's like the remnants of people that have been spread throughout, like um, throughout the Roman Empire. So they had a whole big group. The church was just a group in Jerusalem. And then after Stephen the Martyr's speech, um, people kind of drove them out of their homes and they kind of dispersed, like they kind of spread out all across the Roman Empire. So they had like, they all had a sense of we are Christians, but they didn't really have a centralized uh, kind of leadership. Right, so there's a bit of discouragement going on. Um, there's a bit of hurt. And James is trying to focus them, saying, hey, guys, I know things are tough, but you've got to focus in and see this is what it, instead of thinking about how you can benefit yourself, let's think about how we, the church, can instead turn our attention to how to grow God's kingdom and how to be a blessing to each other again. So he was sort of uniting or aligning all the Christians at that time together yeah. into one Similar goal? Yeah. So you can kind of approach this text and say, like, okay, what is it saying to me? How can I be a better um, brother and sister in Christ to my church, right? Um, is there something in my heart? So you can actually ask that question. What is this saying to me? And it's one of the few texts. That's why it's so approachable, mm. I reckon. Um, so if it talks about like um, taming the tongue, you can actually say, oh, yeah, maybe I can watch what I say a little bit. Um, if it's talking about like not favoring the rich, you can be like, oh, am I favoring certain people over others? Um, so he's trying to unite all of us. And that voice is still really loud, like uh, particularly today, actually. I think the church is fairly divided, um, especially among the like, uh, the, as always, like the older and the younger generation. So James can probably give us a bit of help here. Sweet. Yeah. I'm so excited to dig into that. Yeah. So anything, like, how did you, like, when you read through it, how did you approach it? How did you approach this text? Yeah, for one, it's super practical. Um, you can just read it and be like, hey, this is something that can apply to me. Another point that I got was that he just really kind of punches you in the face oh, when yeah. you read through it. Oh, yeah, there's some, there's some face punches. There are, but, like, I feel like, spoiler alert, um, I love particularly when I don't know, he's just kind of going at it, but I remember in chapter four, was it? He says, but he gives more grace. Yeah. And so he kind of hugs you at the end after punching you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He tells you off, but it hurts him <laughs> to tell you off kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so important. So he's going to say some really tough stuff, and we'll probably go through some of these issues, um, hopefully with some level of, we're probably not like, you know, you're not going to get a degree out of this podcast, but we'll probably go through and see how it applies to our world. Mm. You know, um, but in the end, like he girds it all in. We can only grow if we have grace. And if you're not like quite there yet, um, don't be discouraged by the end of this podcast, right? Know that it's important that we only make it in the time that God has allowed us to make it in. So take the grace that you need, ask for help. Uh, so important. So before we zoom in, to scripture and actually dig into each chapter and into the meat, we actually want to zoom out and actually look at the broader themes that are actually occurring in James. So, Stephen, what did you, what's, what are some of the themes that you actually noticed? Yeah, so I'm going to go through my list. The first thing I have is, um, I call it the theme of perfection, right? So the Greek word for this is teleos. James is really interested in talking about what it means to be a 
perfect Christian. Um, I think, but what he means by perfect isn't perfect as in you shouldn't make any mistakes, like be flawless. Uh, it's more about what does it mean to be a Christian that is mature and complete in what God wants them to be in that time. You know, so I would say, for example, um, it's not like you need to somehow reach this level 99 level of 9, level 9,000 of, of Christian. It's like if you are a child to be a perfect like teleos Christian in that time, you actually need to be growing. So growing um, youth is actually in the zone of being a perfect Christian in that season. Right. So um, it's it's less this of it's less of this Australian Western view of um, we need to be perfect as in we're not allowed to make mistakes. We need to be absolutely brilliant in everything that we do. It's it's a lot more grounded in God's reality of who we are. Yeah, what do you think about that? I see. Um I never really thought about it as perfection, because yeah, my idea if I were to be honest, is yeah, God is perfect, flawless, flawless and perfect. Yeah, which um, he is. Yeah, and he is, right? Yeah. And that we're not. So I've never thought of ourselves as perfect. But I do agree with the, the wisdom part. James gives lots of wisdom, a lot of influences um, that he's received in writing this letter is through Jesus' teachings, for one. Another one is the book of Proverbs. We see like lots of good one-liners and metaphors that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of wisdom that we can actually learn from in how to be perfect now that you put it that way. I think, yeah, that makes sense as well. Yeah. Like you have to put what you believe into action. That's it. Like that's what like a perfect Christian is, right? You can you can know everything. You can like kind of get a grasp of all the theologies, but if you don't, if you can't actually act it out, yeah, like you're not, you're not a mature and perfect Christian. It's practical. Yeah. You got to practical. Could have been not a hypocrite. You know, pretty simple. Yeah. Do you have anything? Uh, do you have another theme on your list? Um, I think there's a lot of what um, he teaches us how the poor and rich interact. I think we see a lot of that. Oh yeah, yeah. How to navigate that? Um, we see like things that we do wrong that we should not do wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's. It means it's really like it's so important, right? Like we can. The church can sometimes. When I say church, I mean the people who make up the church, we can sometimes kid ourselves into a form of being a Christian that excuses us from doing good things, you know, which is another thing I really like about James's view on perfection, right? Like we are called to be who God wants us to be in this season. Um, But you don't become that by doing nothing, right? And what I don't really like about this idea of being perfect means you don't have to make, you can't make any mistakes, is it brings in this philosophy where you just, growth equals not doing bad things. Do you know what I mean? I see. Like you can't just, you can't be a Christian by just not doing wrong things. James' view of maturity is you actually have to go out, sometimes risk yourself to do kingdom things, right? If you really believe that God wants to help the poor, then you got to, you have a responsibility if you want to be mature to do something about it. It's more perfect to do something and give an attempt at something than it is to just know it really well 
and not make a mistake with what you do know. So I, I see two sides to this, right? There's this idea that, yeah, as Christians, we should be doing things. I think it's good to do things. And sometimes we can be a bit too conservative and a bit too cautious with our actions because we're too scared of making mistakes um, or saying the wrong thing. Yeah. Yet, um, I think even just in Asian culture, sometimes we may feel, I feel like some of our culture as Asians kind of seeps into uh, into. Jack and I are Asians, by the way. But yeah, just, FYI. Just, just so you, we're not like kind of speaking on the behalf of another ethnic group. <laughs> we're actually, we're actually both Asians, so that makes it, that makes it, uh, I guess, tolerable. Yeah, and because yeah. we're speaking to Annalise as well. Yeah, who are also predominantly yeah. Asian. Yeah, not that all well. Asians are the same. Not, not that all Asians are the same. Don't want to generalize. Yeah, yeah. But my experience. <laughs> My experience. Sorry, I totally derailed that. Yeah, please, please keep going, Jack. Yeah. But my experience um, is that sometimes, at least for me, I feel like I need to do more. Um, in Asian culture, I feel like I need to do more to earn favor for, for some things. Um, and sometimes in church, sometimes we feel like we need to do that. Sometimes we need to serve serve more in order to gain favor from God. Yeah, but that yeah, is yeah. not true. And I don't think that's the works that James is talking about in this book either. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. We don't become more Christian by the measure of what we do. I think what I feel a little arced up against is, let's say you come to church and you listen to the preacher preach. And all that is taught in church is you are doing this wrong. You are doing that badly. And the culture of the church, the gospel takes on this form of guilt. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you're not perfect enough because you didn't do the things right. Why don't you look at how bad your faith is? Why don't you look at how, you know, and, and because to be honest, right, if we're going to look at the flaws in people, we're going to find something. I just think from what I see in James, his view of perfection is, I mean, obviously it's not, you have to earn your Christianhood. Mm. But he's kind of saying, no, it's more important to actually not live under this fear of not doing the wrong thing. Hmm. Like on, he's kind of saying like in chapter two, right? He's kind of saying, you kind of just stick to your own groups. He's like, no, go out there and, and meet people who are in a different social economic position. Hmm. Right. So it's like, I think it's more empowering to think about perfection that way. Hmm. How can I become more mature in what, how I live out my faith as opposed to how can I be more mature in not doing as many wrong things? And hmm. you know, I, um, because I don't think God's grace is beyond our mistakes. Yeah. Right? Like that. that's, so yeah, I completely agree. You don't have to work for your faith. Um, I just think a good church culture is more empowering than just pointing out people's mistakes on how they're not perfect, which is kind of what I felt really encouraged by James. Yeah. He's like, go and do something, you know? Yeah. And he points us back towards God. He says he gives us more grace despite our flaws, our shortcomings, yeah. yeah. It's actually in those acts that we find grace. Mm. It's like when you lock yourself up in a bunker and you just like read through your 50, 50 translations of Hebrews, um, that's not as, unless that's God's calling in your life. I apologize if you're listening to this podcast in a bunker. With the book Sorry. Of Hebrews. Sorry. Yeah. But I think for most of us, we are called to be missional in our lives. So the grace happens as we go out and live God's will in this world hmm. so how about we move on to a different theme before we end up talking 
yes. too much. Theme one is perfection. Okay. Uh, second theme. Do you have something else on your list? I think one thing that James talks about is how to live life, not just life by yourself, but in community. He talks about yeah. how we interact with people. Mm-hmm. He's uniting the church, as we've talked about. Yeah. But yeah, he, he's looking at, um, I guess, how we should be interacting because you, you, you were sharing about, um, what was it, the diaspora? Yeah, diaspora. Diaspora. Pora, yeah. Diaspora. So I guess I do know about that beforehand, yeah. but I guess I kind of see that and how it makes sense, how James actually wants to unite um, the Christians all together and how to live together. That talks yeah. about the rich it's and the like, poor. Yeah. I don't know. Anyone who's been to a church will realize no matter how homogenous you are, people are different. And if you can't unite despite your differences, um, we're kind of really missing the point here. Like the gospel is a better uniter than culture. It unites us better than race. It unites us better than political views. It unites us better than hobbies. You know, the gospel should be able to unite us all Mm. kind of thing. So um, on my list, I have perseverance and wisdom. Mm. The next thing, like, uh, so James draws this link um, between how do you grow in wisdom? How do you grow in your ability to live a more godly life? It's actually not through making things easy for yourself. It's actually going through the hard parts, being willing to persevere through tr- tests, trials, and tribulations in your life, you know? So you kind of have to earn your wisdom card in that sense. Um, like, I, I kind of like that, you know? I kind of mm. like that sense. It encourages me yeah. that I'm not saying every piece of suffering, you have to find something good out of it. Uh, it's more like if I learn to, if I follow God, I don't have to doubt his goodness even when things get tough. There's still goodness to, and grace to be found in mm. that. Yeah. yeah, that there's not only just meaning in suffering, but there's God in suffering. And I yeah. think that's a comfort that we can actually find. Yeah, so if you're going, so I mean, like if you're looking for God's will and you're convicted to do something missional or do something important, um, sometimes things get hard it may not mean that God is against you. It may actually mean that God is growing something in you, mm. which is pretty good. Yeah. So how does the wisdom part play into the, into perseverance? Yeah. So I, I mean, if I can use a practical example. You may, by the way. I think it's real. So wisdom is, if I could use a really simple, like, you know, I, I know it's not a perfect analogy. It's like, Wisdom is how to practically apply knowledge in a godly way, right? You may know that you should help somebody who is in trouble, but how to help it, know your boundaries, not that takes wisdom. And the only real way to learn that is to go through with it. Once again, it's like an action thing, right? You actually have to do something um, with your with your ideals. Like, like I would say, um, the, sometimes the harder thing brings the greater depth. So I've recently gotten gotten married, right? Congratulations! Thank you, thank you. Um, there is a God, <laughs> is, is what I what I tell my friends. Um, so, uh, not to say like so when when my wife and I were dating, it was really meaningful and really good. But I would say marriage is next level complex, and it's also next level um, challenging. But it's next level meaningful, and I've learned more about, you know, um, myself, 
you know, the good parts of me, the flaws of me. I've learned more about who she is, learned more about what it means to be godly, learned more about what it means to um, talk about big things, complex things. But that didn't come from an easier relationship. Also, even though I'm in, enjoying it a lot more, this relationship has been a next level of challenge. I wouldn't say it's harder, but it's more challenging. Um, and it's been really good for my soul, you know. So that's not to say like people who are dating like aren't having a meaningful and challenging relationship. But I think it's sort of like the tougher thing can lead to more depth in our faith. You know, and that, that's pretty encouraging to me. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, do you have like, do you experience that in your life? I think, I don't know. I feel like sometimes, I mean, there's a reason why people with white hair are seemingly, I don't know, seem to be more wise. Or like people who are old, you know, you see like the, like the, the Shifus or like the Masters <laughs> and you see they're like old and wise. Yeah. You know, there's something about that. Um, there's something about them actually having having persevered through things. Um, you see the wisdom in yeah in them. Yeah, it's it's like you you have to earn your wisdom. Yeah, it doesn't just happen. Yeah, so that's really important. Um, bold people, on the other hand, nobody really knows. Yeah, <laughs> like it's really fifty fifty. You just have to guess. But they could have like wisps. Oh yeah, yeah. You like, have to look at different parts of yeah, them. like a, their, yeah. Like how how there is their moustache like salt and pepper and, and all that. That's it. Yeah. So that's the mark of a wise person, guys. We're done. Th that's thanks, it. guys. That is the message of James. Um, okay, I have one final thing on my list. If you don't, you have anything else? Go for it. For, for themes, I have this thing which I think undergirds it all. Real faith. Like, what does it mean to be a real believer in Christ and to follow Him? Now, James is all about the not just conceptualizing what you believe, but actually being honest and real and action-based. I mean, not action-based, but kind of um, faith-based, but action-filled, kind of like kind of living. Like he's not really into the, okay, you know all these things, but you're only hanging out with the rich. You're not hanging out with the poor. Oh, you say you're mature, but your words are... Like, you know, you're gossiping or like you're hurting people with your words. He's saying you got to be real about where you really are. And what I got a sense of when I was reading it, and which is kind of what we mean by the punch in the face, I suppose, is, okay, like I need to be more, I need to have more integrity with who I am. Uh, and so it's sort of like we, as we read it, like I hope you, uh, hope those listening and, and Jack and I can kind of get a sense of this where we're going to be, we're going to be real with ourselves about how uh, mature we really are. We have to be willing to not deceive ourselves, not to fool ourselves into thinking that we're better than we are. Mm. James is saying, like, look at look at yourself honestly. You know, he's like saying, look in the mirror, right? Like, you know your flaws, but if you do nothing about it, that's so foolish. You know, so I think he's, there's a sense of realness to it, right? Like, you know I mean? like conceptualizing faith is really not that great according to James. Hmm. He calls us to be genuine um, in our faith. Um, he, he tests, or he says like, um, what's my train of thought? He says for us to be genuine yeah. in our faith and yeah. not to be like um, double-minded, 
that's it. Not to yeah. be like um, tossed around um, like waves in the wind. Mm. Um, lots of stuff. I got your back, mate. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Yeah. Uh, it's So if you want to be challenged in the scripture alongside Jack and I, um, this is the end of our generalities, but we're going to be going through the rest uh, of the book. So what are we going to be doing next, Jack? So what we'll be doing next, we'll be zooming back in. So, yeah, guys, look forward to us going through James chapters 1 and 2. And then the next one after that will actually be James chapters 3 to 5. Awesome. All right. This is it. Church on Air. Church on Air. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for tuning in, guys.